Hello and welcome to the Surefooted Podcast. My name is Kenny. I'm your host. I'd like to thank you for joining me today. We have a little bit different format today. I'm going to be doing something um, that I haven't done previously, but I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Today I'm going to be doing a book review. I've been reading a lot lately, um, mostly on my lunch breaks at work, you know, when I have a little downtime. Uh, while I eat, I keep a bunch of uh, ebooks on my phone, so I listen to those or I read those while I eat. It's just a way that I can pass the time, and I've come across some really good books lately that I've really enjoyed, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell everybody about those over a couple of episodes. They won't be all in a row, you know, I'll, I'll kind of sprinkle them in, you know, among some of my other episodes, but this is one that I've really enjoyed, and I wanted to tell everybody about it. The name of the book is Counterfeit Gospels, Rediscovering the Good News in a World of False Hope. And it's by Trevin Wax. Uh, It was published in 2011. Basically, it deals with the gospel, what the gospel is biblically. And then it um, shows some other false gospels that people interject in place of the real gospel. Now, I heard about this book when I was watching a, a documentary the documentary was called American Gospel and Christ Alone, uh, which is a super good documentary. I thoroughly enjoyed it. My wife thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, but Trevin Wax, he was one of the commentators that they interviewed in the documentary. And some of the things that he talked about was from this book. I found them really intriguing. And I wanted, I really wanted to know more about about what the book was about, what he was saying in it. So I picked up a copy on Google Play. I keep it on my phone, and I've been reading it, and I, I finished it, and I want to I give an honest review of it here. Now, the book was not a long read at all. It didn't take very long to uh, get to the end of it. It does have a lot of information in it, a lot of really good information. Basically, uh, the book starts out by defining what the biblical gospel is, And he does a really good job. It's a really good definition of the biblical gospel. It's a true definition of the gospel. um, And it's an all-encompassing definition of the gospel. Uh, Basically, it lays out the gospel in is a a, basically a three-part, a three-part definition. Uh, There's the gospel story, which of course is the, the whole narrative of the Bible. You know, it's the whole narrative that goes from creation to the fall of man, to the redemption of man, to the the coming restoration through God. And within that framework, within that framework, it talks about the gospel announcement, which is the story of Jesus, his time here on earth, his death, resurrection, the the whole situation related to Jesus. And then then kind of tied in with that, you know, stemming from the, the story of Jesus, we have the gospel community which is God's church here on earth. It's the, it's the embodiment of the gospel, uh, or it should be anyway, the manifestation of God's kingdom here on earth. It's us Christians interacting and working together for the promotion of God's kingdom. And when you, when you tie all three of those things in together, you have a really, really, you have a really, really good representation of what the biblical gospel is. Now in that book, he starts out with, you know, defining what the biblical gospel is. Then he goes into six counterfeit gospels. You know, they're, they're gospels that are almost the biblical gospel, 
but they may change one thing. They may diminish the importance of, of one thing or another. You know, it, it twists the biblical gospel in some form or fashion that makes it not, not the real thing. It makes it something that if people rely on, that they're, they're going to be uh, putting false hope into something, something that's not going not gonna to accomplish what the biblical gospel is. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list those out for you. I, I don't want to go into too much detail about each one because I, I do want you to read the book. I want you to get the information for yourself. Uh, this is going to be a super brief overview of, of what the things are that he covers. By no means is it a comprehensive uh, tutorial. It's more uh, me just telling you kind of what the information in the book is so that I can give you a basis for why I think it's good or bad or whatever the case may be. So one of the first um, one of the first uh, false gospels that he talks about is the therapeutic gospel. Uh, it's a gospel that's all about us. Um, our feelings and self-esteem are kind of put at the forefront of that. And it's more about what God could do to make us happy as opposed to what we could do to, to serve God. Um, you know, it, it's more about, um, really more about uh, massaging our ego than it is about loving our creator and, and you know, really embracing that gospel message of, of what Christ did for us. It's more about, uh, about, what we can do for our own feelings and self-esteem. The second one was uh, the judgmentless gospel. It really neglects or removes the idea of God as an ultimate judge. And when you remove the judgment aspect from the gospel, it causes the sin to be taken far less seriously. The, the sinful nature of our hearts, it causes us to take that way less seriously. You know, if there's no eternal judgment, then what is there to be saved from? You know, what is there uh, that that we're actually, you know, what is the absolution of our sin, our sinful nature? What does that actually uh, produce in us? You know, if there is no judgment, then, then that, that loses all of its power. The moralistic gospels, the third one, uh, it changes the, uh, the good news of Jesus into basically a motivation for changing our own lives. Um, it views our problems as our sins, plural, um, which is, you know, the bad things we do as opposed to our sin singular, which is the, the human condition of our heart. You know, we have a sinful heart. It's really easy to get caught up in the moralistic gospel. It's really one of those things where, you know, people want to be good. They want to try to be good natured. They want to try to put their best foot forward, I guess, would be a good way to say it. And they want to do the right thing. You know, they, they don't want to be, they don't want to do the wrong thing necessarily, but, but in doing the right thing, they, they put uh, more of an emphasis on not doing sins, you know, as they do in not being sinful by nature, um, which, you know, the only way we can change that is, is through Jesus. Uh, it's nothing we can do to just stop sinning on our own. Um, we have to have a, a change of heart, and that can only come through Christ. Uh, the next one is the quietist gospel. The biblical gospel has implications that are relevant to every person on earth, uh, every state, every nation, on every continent. Uh, the quietist gospel, it turns the good news uh, more into a focus on the individual, and it pushes that... Uh, 
that the news is no longer relevant to the whole world. The uh, the quietest gospel it it really diminishes what we're supposed to do in the Great Commission. You know where where we want to get out, and we want to tell all the nations about the gospel. This focuses more on the gospel as for the individual, and it really causes uh, people who are who are um, who are kind of believing in this gospel. It really causes them to focus more on staying in a, a state of goodness with God as opposed to getting out and sharing the goodness of God with the whole world really turns the church from more of a, a more of a um, outreach type of situation into more of a defensive posture, I guess would be the best way to put it, where the Christians who are in the church uh, kind of sequester themselves, don't get out into the world and take an attitude more of, you know, we need to stay together in this to remain uh, in a state of purity and if we get out in the world, it's going to be a lot harder to do that. So why should we do that? Um, it really, it, it really keeps the church from fulfilling the Great Commission because it puts more of a focus on we've already got the gospel, so we're going to sit here and keep it to ourselves and and just concentrate on not being bad. I guess would be the best way to put it. The next one is the activist gospel. And the activist gospel is just what it sounds like. It, it seeks to unite people around social action or political causes um, rather than the gospel itself. And the, I guess the best way you could, you could put it, well, it, it kind of compares and contrasts these in the book. And I'm, I'm going to use a little bit of what I read now. The quietest gospel is like throwing a, stone into a pond and then trying to contain the ripples. And then the activist gospel is like throwing a stone into a pond and trying to conceal the stone that was thrown where the biblical gospel, you have to have both. You have to have both the stone that was thrown and the ripples that it makes. Um, the activist gospel, it, it really places the emphasis more on rallying people to action and the action itself uh, than it does the, the good news of Jesus. And, and you can see this uh, really prevalent, especially in today's society with all of the abortion laws and everything that are being passed right now. Um, there are a lot of churches who are rallying behind these and a lot of other political activists who either A, stand with the churches because of state rights or whatever the case may be. And a, a lot of um, a lot of a lot of polarity on both sides of it. But you see more and more a lot of churches taking a hard stance on this issue, which they should. I believe they should, but I don't think it should be the the forefront of what's attracting people to these churches. You know, I think the gospel should still be the thing that's preached. But, you know, we, we do have a moral uh, obligation to stand up for those things that are biblically that are biblically laid out for us. But with the activist gospel, it's more a focus on the activism and on the actions that are being taken than it is on the the good news of Jesus. Now, the last one that is discussed in the book is the churchless gospel. Now, the churchless gospel, it removes the importance of Christian community or it downplays it a lot. The need for believers to assemble together is is super important, I believe. We have examples all through the Bible in the New Testament where the church would meet together, where the church would break bread together. 
they were constantly in each other's company and the local church was a was a important institution in those days it made sure that christians were taken care of christians were taking care of each other as part of the church and and now don't get me wrong when i say church i'm not talking about a church building the building is ancillary i'm talking about the people of god assembling themselves together whether or not they assemble themselves together at the local park or whether or not they have a church building that cost five hundred thousand dollars regardless of where they meet or regardless of where they assemble i'm just talking about the assembly process in itself the local church is an institution and it's a good institution if if it if it's thought of in the correct way but the churchless gospel it, it really promotes that christians don't have to assemble themselves together that it can be a personal journey as it were um and it really diminishes the church is an institution and what the church is capable of and what the church is actually supposed to do in a biblical context, you know, what, how we're supposed to uh, reach out to the community and how we're supposed to take care of each other and things like that. So those are the six false gospels that are laid out um, in the book. And within the framework of each one of those false gospels, there is, there's lengthy discussion on how each one of those affects the biblical gospel. Uh, if you'll remember, you know, we, um, at the beginning, he kind of defined the gospel as a, a three-legged stool, basically. And he, um, as the book progresses, he shows how each one of these, uh, false gospels can either erode or, uh, kind of chip away at one of the legs of the stool, or in some cases, uh, two legs of the stool and when it does that uh, if you have a stool that has three legs and one of the legs is shorter than the other what happens to that stool it becomes wobbly and it can't be used which you know that shows the exact same way that these chip away at the biblical gospel you know when you when you shorten any of those legs it, it makes it an incomplete gospel it makes it um you know kind of a, a false equivalency of what the gospel should be so it goes into all those details. It, it tells how each one of those false gospels affects the biblical gospel. And, and you know, the more that you read about it and the more that you kind of really the, the more that you uh, understand about the false gospels, the easier it is to see um, where people could fall into that. Or, you know, you kind of even start to see where some of those are being used in the world today. Uh, it's kind of a big eye-opener. Now, like I said, the book wasn't a long read. Uh, it was very interesting. I enjoyed the book immensely. I enjoyed it from the beginning. Um, I knew it was going to be a good book when he laid out the gospel uh, in such a way that was a true biblical definition of the gospel. It was. It didn't leave anything out. It, you know, it. Um, the the three part. Uh, the three-part definition, it was one, you know, that I'd heard loosely before, but, but he lays it out in such a way that it's very clear and concise. And I really enjoyed that. And going through the book, it, uh, it, like I say, it really opened my eyes onto some of the things that are, that are plaguing the church today. And some really, really basically just some traps that I, I could see a lot of people falling into. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, we, we kind of need to know what the what the traps are. We need to know what the wrong thing is so that we can identify it when we run into it. 
You know, I certainly wouldn't want to get caught up in a false gospel, believing something that's um, not true by biblical standards. And the only way you can do that is if you know what the biblical standard is and then know what the uh, other things are that that people could get caught up in. Now, I would definitely recommend this book to pretty much anybody, especially a Christian. You know, it's important that we know what we believe and we know why we believe what we believe. And it's really good to expose ourselves to to these ideas. Uh, it lets you think critically about something that we may have taken for granted for a really long time. It also gives us a basis for evaluating kind of where we are in our current situation in a context that we, we may not have thought about before. The book itself was relatively inexpensive. I think it was $9.99 for the ebook version on the Google Play Store which uh, that's my preferred platform. You you know, if you use iTunes or whatever the case may be, I'm sure that it's um, a comparable price on that. I wouldn't see it being any much more expensive than that. And that it, it, you know, may be a different price altogether on Amazon or Amazon Prime. But the book, I would highly recommend it. I enjoyed it. Uh, it opened my eyes to some, really to some new ideas about false gospels that i really haven't thought of before, uh, but when, when they're laid out in such a way, you know, and I'm giving the information, it's really easy to kind of look back and say, oh, well, yeah, I have seen that before. I didn't really have a, a name to attach to it, but I, you know, I have seen these people talk, or I've heard people talk about them and things like that. Um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend the book. It's good information uh, for Christians really for anybody who may be interested in the gospel to see exactly what the biblical gospel should be and then to see some really good examples of some things that people try to make the biblical gospel into. Okay, guys, that is my review of Trevin Wax's book, Counterfeit Gospels, uh, Rediscovering the Good News in a World of False Hope. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it kind of sparks in you a, a want to go out and read the book. If there are any books that you would like me to read, uh, you can definitely drop those in a comment on the Facebook page. That's the Surefooted Podcast. You can search for that on Facebook. Be sure to leave a like, and you'll be able to stay up to date on a lot of things we've got going on. Also, um, you can reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter, um, the Surefooted Podcast. You can search us on either one of those. And uh, also, you can send me an email at Kenny at SureFootedPodcast.com. That's Kenny at SureFootedPodcast.com. You can send me an um, email, and I will definitely check out anything that you uh, recommend for me to check out. But I would like to thank everybody for joining me today. Um, if you listen to this on iTunes, be sure to leave a like and a review. Um, you know, rating and reviews are really big on iTunes. It uh, helps people to find us when they're um, searching for new podcasts to listen to. So be sure to remember to do that. And and also rate and review on any other podcast app that you're listening on. Um, having uh, feedback is really the only way I can hope to improve or to, you know, make things better for everybody involved. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed it. Have a great day. I hope to hear from you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.